0: Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a SWE podcast. Please remember to subscribe and follow us on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast. I'm joined today by Carrie Faber, Vice President of Global Partner Sales and e Commerce at Keysight Technologies. She holds a Bachelor of Science degree in electrical engineering from Iowa State University and the Executive MBA program certificate from the Kellogg School of Management. At Northwestern University. She resides with her family in Colorado. Thank you so much for joining us today, Carrie. Thanks, Sam. I'm glad to be here. Well, as we always do with guests here on Diverse, a sweet podcast, we always like to know the origins, where it all began. So, what first drew you to engineering and to STEM?
1: So, I always enjoyed math and science growing up. And when I was in high school, tended to take, you know, whatever kind of classes were available. So a lot of physics, of chemistry, of math, journalism, you know, kind of a wide perspective, if you will, around what what was available from a course offering at that time. And because I really gravitated towards math, I was looking in the the math area for what I might do. And this sounds kind of funny, but at the time I was dating a, a young man who was a year older than I, and he was studying electrical engineering. And I thought, well, I'm certainly as smart, if not smarter than him, and maybe that's a good way to, a good path to follow, a good way to go. So I applied for computer engineering, given that that was really a new area at the time of engineering, a new discipline in engineering. And I took my first semester of, of engineering classes and said, oh yeah, computer engineering is not for me. The, the one mm-hmm. class I took was a, a programming class and we went into, it was a big lecture hall and they turned the lights off and then displayed on the screen computer programs in green font, ones and zeros and you know different code. And it gave me the worst headaches. <laughs> I said, okay, <laughs> that's not going to work for me. <laughs> What oh. else can I do instead? <laughs> and so I I switched my major second semester to electrical engineering and theory.
0: You know, all of that to me just says it's so important to figure out what you like, but it's just as important to figure out what you don't like. And that applies to both the actual subject matter of what you're learning and the relationship that didn't quite work out but led you to this. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So Carrie, you you went to Iowa State University for a bachelor's in electrical engineering. How did you really figure out and decide what engineering discipline you wanted to pursue?
1: Sure. You know, when you go into college, and my, my daughter is in college right now and exploring a STEM STEM degree. And I see her going through the same type of thought process that I did, which is what, what will I enjoy? What do I get energy from doing? And what could I see myself doing twenty years from now with a foundation that needs to be put in place in college? Knowing that there's always going to be opportunities for change and different career paths and career projections as well. but but there has to be a foundation in place. And so what what was a degree that would give me a foundation in technology and the ability to do, Lots of different things because I hadn't decided exactly what I what I wanted. Did I want to be in R and D? Did I want to be in marketing? Did I want to be in sales? Did I want to be really on focused on electronics or more the software space? You know, startups, big companies, just something to give me options because I really didn't know what I wanted to do. And electrical engineering after taking the first semester or two in college. Everybody had to take, everybody in the engineering school, I think everybody probably in the math and computer science as well. You, we had to take these classes that were kind of an introduction to engineering that exposed us to all different kinds of disciplines in that space. And electrical engineering was more math focused than other engineering disciplines. And that really interested me because probably if I looked at it, I I have a math minor as well, because all my electives I took were math-based electives. (laughs) There's a trend here. (laughs) Exactly. Enjoyed it. So so that's why I ended up with electrical engineering. And then as I got into some of the higher level courses, my junior and senior year, and we were doing labs and senior projects, the part of electrical engineering that focuses on, at that time, it was modulation technologies in in communications really interested me, again, because it was more math-focused. But also, as I looked at it, the the applicability of that technology across lots of different industries, again, gave me the ability to have flexibility in where I wanted to take my career.
0: You spoke there about your daughter who's sort of following in your footsteps. Was that was that, you know, intentional, like you kind of planted with the seed with her early on, or she was just inspired by watching her mom do what she does?
1: Well, that, that's kind of interesting too. My I did not try to influence her one way or the other, but my husband did. I um, <laughs> <Okay. laughs> really, really <laughs> felt that women in technology was a great, a great opportunity from oh, a career that. perspective, mm-hmm. a great way to make a good living, to mm-hmm. control your destiny. Really? And while I, while I certainly agreed with all of that, I didn't do, you know, my husband pulled all the data. He's also an engineer, he's an industrial engineer. He pulled all of the data on different careers, on salary levels, mm. on women in different careers, walked through all of that with her, and really did convince her that a STEM related path would be, would be a good path for her because she also excelled in math. And and really enjoyed that that angle. So she started as an electrical engineer. Mm. Again, went to her first semester of classes and the general introduction to engineering disciplines, and and decided, yeah, I'm not really all that interested in electrical engineering. Ah. So she's now in computer science. She's actually getting a double major in computer science and neuroscience. So wow, he, she's thinking of the how to apply technology
0: to the way the body moves. Incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love how this is so all in the family. Like It's all hands on deck here.
1: (laughs) Exactly.
0: (laughs) I love that. A family in STEM. It's it's really good to see. And it's great to hear about your husband who's championing the women in his life to pursue this industry because- I mean, this is what this is about, right? We're, we're holding up, we're advocating for women in engineering and STEM. So we love to hear that. Great. I mean, along the lines of speaking with your daughter, for someone who might be a younger and pursuing this field, what kind of advice would you pass on to someone who's deciding what engineering discipline to pursue?
1: I would give somebody the same advice I gave my daughter, which is just explore. College is the time to really explore. Take lots of different classes, those that are you find are really interesting, take another in that domain. Those that aren't then don't, you know don't take more <laughs> in that space. And, and just just really use, use college as an opportunity to figure out what you like and what you don't like because you you don't expect people to have a 40 year career at the same company. It's just not what younger people do. And so choose a path that provides the most interest to you, provides, gives you the most energy is fun because you're going to be working, you know, at least eight hours a day for 30 to 40 years. And, (laughs) you know, you have to do something that you enjoy, because if you don't enjoy it, it will just be draining and you can't have something that is going to be a big part of your life, be a point of draining your energy. So, you know, I, at some point you have to kind of settle in. So you can't explore forever. Most parents would tell your kids you do want them to graduate so they can support <laughs> themselves, right? Yeah. You know, but initially you need to explore and, and take your time. And I think it really does pay off because, you know, ultimately what you're most interested in, what type of company and company culture you'd be most interested in, what type of initial job or two you'd be interested in, because your career is going to take all different kinds of paths. You can't predict as you know a 22-year-old what, what you're going to, to be doing when you're 30, let alone mm-hmm. 50. Mm-hmm. So just create a foundation that gives you the flexibility to find things that you really enjoy.
0: Mm-hmm. We got to talk about your evolution there. I mean, you touched on the different ways and paths that your journey can take you on, but you've had quite the career first at Hewlett Packard, then Agilent Technologies. Now you're at Keysight Technologies. Can you give us the sort of rundown of the various positions that you've held?
1: Sure. So when I was hired by Hewlett Packard, they brought in a group of, I don't know, it was maybe 10 people into the same organization at at the same time, all of us just recent college graduates. And we we were put all on the same team. They gave us one manager and defined kind of a rotation, if you will, for us, which was pretty cool and unusual at the time, but really makes a lot of sense. And I see a lot more companies, including ours, doing the same kind of approach now. So my very first job was an application engineer. I developed demos. For these big manufacturing test systems, they're, they're in circuit test systems. They check to see if a printed circuit board is actually built correctly. Are the components loaded correctly? Are the solder joints pure so that you get a strong, you know, electrical connection? Are the right parts loaded, et cetera? So it was, it was really interesting to be able to apply the, my learnings from my WE degree in my very first job. How do you describe this whole thing to somebody who doesn't know this, this product, this system? Mm. I then moved. I was rotated into R and D and which was a good experience because it taught me that I really did not want to be an R and D engineer. I wanted to be more in, in marketing That My job in R&D at the time was a test engineer, so we were introducing a a new product in another organization, and we were using that product to to test a new technology that we had developed for this in-circuit test system. And and so I was using that new product from another organization to create the the test program, and as I was doing that, testing the, the new product that we had developed. And it was you know, a lot of time in a, in a room by myself, in front of the computer monitor and typing away. And I just realized that yeah, sitting by myself was not the way that I was going to have a lot of fun in my career. I needed to be <laughs> um, you know, interacting with people. So my next job was in, back into marketing and business development. And I supported a region, a sales region, got to go visit customers, do demos, do presentations, determine what what specific configuration of our products would solve the customers' needs and I really gravitated towards that engagement with the with customers. So the next part of my career really was in marketing and I held various positions in, in management, product product development management, I moved into R&D management for a period of time, back into marketing management. Then I managed a software business, kind of you know, explored, if you will, all different types of disciplines within, within the division that I worked in at Hewlett-Packard at the time. We then were spun off from HP and became Agilent Technologies. We took the life sciences, biomedical, and test and measurement portion of Hewlett-Packard and created a company called Agilent. At that time I m- moved organizations and started working for a a division that was focused on basically the instruments that electrical engineers use commonly on the bench. So uh, voltmeters, counters, data acquisition, power supplies, uh, function generators, all of those kinds of products. I moved over as a second level manager in marketing and then became the the marketing manager. We formed a, a division out of just the a portion of that business, and I became the division general manager. And and then we were we separated, Agilent separated into two companies: the Life Sciences biomedical company, which is now Agilent today, and Keysight Technology spun off. This was the first time. Since Hewlett-Packard was founded, that test and measurement was the core function of the company. HP actually started as a test and measurement company with Audio Analyzer developed for Walt Disney's Fantasia movie, developed as the first product by Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard. And that core of HP is what Keysight is. Although we've taken that core and, and really exploded it beyond what it was before to encompass all different kinds of technologies solutions software etc focused on enabling companies to innovate and bring bring new technology to the market as well as ensuring that the world if you will is is secure and and connected we do a lot of communications technology a lot of of software End-to-end kind of software workflow technologies, as well as core instrumentation developed into solutions that customers use as they're developing new, new innovative technologies. Like right now, we're working on quantum and six G. My role today is is focused on our business through partners, which which again took that core learning that I had. As I get my energy from engaging with people, talking with people, learning about different cultures about different applications, different customers, and making that the heart of my, my day-to-day. So I, I own our business through all of our partner networks around the world, as well as our e-commerce business. So it's been, it's been an interesting career and, and a very rewarding career, for
0: sure. Yeah. I'll say from that you know, crash course that we got to have of all the places that your career has taken you so far, there must have been a mentor or two, or perhaps a group of people that really helped to guide you on your journey? Can you speak to that mentor in your life? Yeah. we
1: I didn't have a, a formal mentor ever in my career. I don't know why. It, it just never really happened, but I had a lot of informal mentors in a large network. And that for me worked, worked really well. My informal mentors tended to be more Situational. I'm trying to figure out how to do this, and who do I see that's good at doing that? And I reached out, developed a relationship, got advice, got coaching, bounced ideas off of a person. And then when the next opportunity came up, it might have been back to that person, or it might have been other other people. So I I would say I probably have had maybe 30 or 40 mentors over my career uh, to this point. I did have one through a development program that we have within the company. I had a formal mentor. I found sometimes that it was more staged than natural, which is why for me the situational mentoring worked better. Now I have formal mentor relationships, where I mentor people, and both through formal programs as well as people who've who've come to me and said, "Hey, I would like to be a mentor," and we set up and we meet monthly or we meet every week or whatever you know whatever they want depending on what what works best for them and i just that formal process didn't just i don't know it just didn't seem to click for me but mm-hmm. the the informal really did
0: and mm-hmm.
1: some of my best mentors were my managers who were maybe towards the kind of the end of their career and really looking at how do i develop that next generation leader really help sponsor women in in the company to to achieve their career goals, to replace them ultimately. And, and so that was probably the closest to a non-situational mentorship that I had. And I had two general managers who really sponsored me, one who, who sponsored me into a senior manager position, and then another one who sponsored me into the general manager vice president position.
0: You mentioned there that you have, you mentor some people as well. What do you mm-hmm. find is the common thread among young people in engineering? What do they often come to you with for guidance?
1: That's a really good question. So let me see. Usually starts out with a hey, I, I don't know what I should do for a career. Do I have to like make a plan now and have it all charted out? Or do I let it kind of flow? What, you know, do I apply for? For lots of different jobs? Do I it tends to be more, hey, give me some career guidance initially. And then once once I develop a relationship with the person and we get to know each other, they tend to ask more deeper questions, if you will, Mm -hmm. like, man, I'm struggling with this person I'm I'm working with or I'm working for, and I just don't feel like I'm getting heard. What are some, what are some things that I've done, you know, to break, to break through that, or I've tried to, I really want to move into sales or into R and D and I'm, I'm just not getting a connection there. I'm not being considered for opportunities. What, what guidance can you provide me? So, and then, Hey, I'm working on my business plan. Uh, can you, what should I consider? What, you know, what would have, what does a vice president care about? Or I've got a presentation coming up and it's to the, you know, the, the leadership team of my organization. Can I practice, <laughs> you know, with you, mm. you know, get feedback. So it really has varied depending upon the person, but it tends to start with more generic, like, okay, what, what types of jobs are even available for newer employees you know, coming into industry for the first time?
0: And I'm sure that you, you provide some wonderful mentorship to these people who are just starting to figure out their path in engineering and stem
1: it's been a lot of fun it's you know it's it's probably something that looking back on my career having a mentor early probably would have really helped because like i said i bounced around which was a good way for me to experience things but it also would have been really good to have a mentor at the time who had a bit more experience tried some of, some of the different jobs just had a better feel for what type of, of learnings I might get than what I did. I was more by experimentation, if you will. Mm-hmm. And, and there's definitely learnings you can, you can absorb from others as well to complement your own experimentation.
0: Mm-hmm. Carrie, you've been a leader in e-commerce since 2013. Can you give us some insight on the growing demand for e-commerce and its evolution over recent years.
1: Yeah, this has been a really fun avenue for investment as well as for learnings. In 2013, Amazon and yeah, it was really Amazon was kind of the marketplace and they had really gained gained a lot of steam for consumers. They weren't necessarily very big in the business to business space. We invested in a marketplace on Amazon. And one of the considerations that I had in doing that was I've got responsibility for our distribution network. And Amazon at the time really competed with distributors. You know, the distributors that carry stock, they have a warehouse, they do marketing programs, and they provide quick delivery to customers. Kind of the same value proposition as Amazon, except that Amazon was doing it. Digitally, and distributors were doing it face to face, if you want. Uh-huh. Um, but the Amazon structure at that time was, was really competitive. And we had enough business through distribution that cannibalization of that business did not make sense. Amazon did not have a good presence worldwide, and it really would have been disruptive. So instead, we created our own marketplace on Amazon, being our own seller. You know, some things are sold by Amazon, and some things are sold by others. We were the the sold by Keysight at the time. Well, not quite at that time. It was Agilent. Two years after that, it was Keysight. So we learned a lot on what do you have to do to to serve up a digital marketplace. And then in our industry, our customers really don't buy from Amazon. They they do buy from vendors, either the manufacturer themselves or from a network of distributors, it's a pretty tight distribution network worldwide, uh, meaning it's not, not thousands of distributors. In another part of my business, we do sell through enterprise distributors, and, and we have over 2,000 partners in that space. In this core space of test and measurement, we have 150 partners worldwide. And there's probably 500 total who represent core test and measurement, the, the instruments that you find on a basic double E's bench, if you will. So we decided to create our own e-commerce because customers, we felt, would come to us. We did some market research, focus groups, and surveys, that kind of thing, and did, did get information that customers would buy from The manufacturing vendor. They actually had a preference to do so. So we invested in creating a pure digital engagement with a customer from the cart experience through actually 14 different technologies and applications to take an order from that cart into our ERP system, which is Oracle, doing things like restricted party list verification. So there's you know, companies and customers we can't sell to as from the restricted by the US government policies. So we have to check that, and make sure we aren't, aren't sending to somebody. We check, we put credit card capabilities in place. We put address verification capabilities in place. We had to do different tax software than than what we had. Uh, so we connected all of these systems on the front end so that the orders would flow automatically into our ERP. I put warehouses in place starting in the US and Canada, then I expanded to 29 countries in Europe. I recently expanded to China and now I'm working on Japan with e-commerce there. And local warehouses to provide two-day delivery because you expect two-day delivery. when You, you expect quick delivery when you're buying something online. And so we, we then connected the backend technology. So an order gets placed, our website shows the available inventory in the warehouse real time, it decrements the quantity available, triggers a pick, pack, and ship slip to the the warehouse who gets the unit out the door, also then triggers replenishment orders so that we don't stock out. So we created all that technology, which had never existed in our company and actually had never existed from an, a manufacturer in our industry. So we're first, first to market with that experience. We were... At the same time I had done the the Amazon experience and marketplace and was looking at, should we do our own e-commerce as well? We had done some research, and this was general sales research that looked at how customers want to buy. And at that time, through this third party that did this, this technology industry research, it wasn't specific to our specific industry, we found that customers spent greater than 50%. It was like 53% of their buying journey online before they contacted a person. Mm. Then about four years ago, I had that same, same study. That same study was redone and I had that research and it was 82% of the buying journey was spent digitally. And then I did an angle, a slice of the, the research, if you will, focused on younger buyers. Younger engineers who are have the the authority to purchase their um, solutions, and the younger the person, the higher they pushed over that eighty two percent. Younger people <laughs> prefer to do; they would prefer to do everything themselves digitally and never engage a person. You know, give <laughs> yeah. me, let me Google everything, and I'll figure out how to solve the problem. Right. And what yeah. I need, right? So. <laughs> So given that and the fact that that our, you know, that there's new engineers join the workforce every year, really expanding that that digital journey for for our customers has become our focus. So besides expanding into different countries and regions with with the e-commerce capabilities, also enhancing that journey for for the customer to really meet that ideal of hundred percent digital, everything's available online. They would never have to talk to a person. Of course, that's probably not realistic, but you really want to have (laughs) the, the, the end to end journey built uh, so that, that customers can completely self-service if they want to. And when they buy something, they can find answers online. And when they need to renew their, their subscriptions or their warranty, they can do all of that online without just faster, simpler, and, and independently if they, if they choose. We complement our direct sales team, which which certainly develops you know, very deep technology based relationships with our customers. Because as customers are bringing new technology to to market, they need to be able to make sure that that technology works, and that's what we what we really do as a company. So we're designing, if you will, solutions alongside the customer, designing their innovation. But but there are purchases that really don't require that same type of engagement, and that's what our what our e-commerce does. So it's been it's been really interesting to get feedback from customers from different demographics from different countries on on e-commerce to really see the you know, who we're reaching. Over over forty five percent of our buyers are people who've never bought from from Keysight before. They haven't bought from us directly. They haven't bought from our distributors. So we're definitely reaching people who've and expanding our business as a result of having e-commerce.
0: Mm-hmm. So between you know, this great work that you've done in the field of e-commerce, going back to HP, Agilent, and now Keysight Technologies, I know this might be hard to narrow down, but what has been your proudest accomplishment in your career thus far?
1: The thing that comes to mind is, of course, something more recent than, than not, which is around e-commerce. Being first to industry with a f- completely integrated end-to-end e-commerce solution and then crossing a million dollars for the first time. We're now significantly higher than that. But when, when we cross that million dollars the first time, it's, it's, it's a big milestone. And uh, the team that I had working on it, huge cross-functional team because we had IT people. We had back office IT. We had order fulfillment global trade, logistics, tax, finance, accounts receivable, credit. We had legal and compliance and web teams and marketing team. I mean just, you know, think about an organization and a company and we had them involved because we were creating something that didn't exist. And that's that it was it's been extremely rewarding. We've learned a lot. It's it's just been a lot of fun. And I think that's the probably the the accomplishment that I would say I'm most proud of.
0: Mm-hmm. It's also very, very impressive <laughs> to hear your journey through it. Even as someone who's not directly involved in the industry, it's incredible to see a woman out there, you know, exploring, experimenting, seeing what works for her, seeing what doesn't, and and being a trailblazer. So thank you so much for sharing this journey with us.
1: You're welcome. It's been my pleasure.
0: Carrie, before we wrap things up here, what's one final piece of wisdom that you'd like to pass on?
1: Exploring is, I think, critical. There's so many opportunities for women in STEM careers. And because there's so many, it's it's sometimes hard to figure out what you really are interested in. And so explore and be brave, be okay to say, yeah, that wasn't it. I'm not interested in being an R&D engineer and sitting in a, you know, in a cube by myself. I can be a, whatever I want to be and, and be true to myself and find what energizes me and have a career full of lots of opportunities,
0: but it really starts with
1: exploration. So be open.
0: Mm, that curiosity. Hmm. Love to hear that. Carrie, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us today. You know what? Maybe in the future, we'll be talking to your daughter on this podcast. There you go. Wouldn't that be cool? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it really would. You're trailblazing for her and so many other women and young people in this field. So thank you so much, Carrie. Thank you. I'm Sam East. For all of us at SWE, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, all together at altogether.swe.org.